All right, man, let's give it up for our fathers. Yes, man. Happy Father's Day. Welcome. Welcome to LifePoint. My name is Alex. I'm one of the pastors here. And I want you to know if you're a, if you're a dad today or you, if you're a father figure, because I think that's important as well, uh, your influence matters, okay? Like I, I want to tell you this morning, like your influence matters beyond the limitations of your mind. Because a lot of times what the enemy does to many of us, to all of us, I'd say, is he will speak lies into our minds and hearts. And, you know, he'll tell us you're not good enough or you're not, you know, whatever. You don't have what it takes. But I want you to know your influence matters and what, who you are matters. And I applaud you for being here today. You know, one of the things that I think it's in- interesting is um, there are things that I have picked up from my dad. Like I, my life was, has been marked by my father. And the ripple effect of the things that I've learned from him, you know, I, many times I pass those to you and you don't even know my dad. And so you right now, many of the things that I do, many of the things that I say, the way that I lead is because of the way that I was trained, the way I was taught by my father. And so if you're a dad or if you're a father figure, I want you to know your influence matter. And if, if you can somehow manage to get just a little bit better today, if you can just get 5% better over like the next year, year over year, that is huge. And when you get better as a leader, everybody else gets better. And so um, I want you to, I, I want to applaud you for being here, for tuning in. If you're following us online, this is a big, big, big deal. And so happy Father's Day. So glad you guys are here. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1 today is part 2 in our series, Unshakable. Part 2 in our series, Unshakable. Like kind of, let me bring you up to speed. We're looking at this guy named Daniel. Everybody say Daniel. So Daniel is a young boy, he's 15 years old, and he is taken captive, and he's taken to a place that nobody wants to be at, a place that nobody wants to go through. And then you see him, when you read the whole book, at the end of the book, he's 85 years old, he has not given up on his integrity, and he is at the top of his game like never before. Now, now let, me, like, let me mention a couple of things just to bring everybody up to speed. So the nation of Israel is going through what I would say spiritual decline, okay? So there's idolatry. There's immorality. There's injustice. In, in, in some ways, I mean, it's, I hate to say it like this, and I'm not a negative person, but it's similar to our culture today. There's a lot, of, a lot going on. There are several prophets who are warning the people. You have Isaiah, you have Sephaniah, you have Jeremiah, and they're saying, hey guys, we better get our act together. If we don't get our act together, we're going to lose our freedom. Judgment is coming. And by the year, the nation of Israel didn't listen. By the year 586, God allows this powerful nation, the, the empire, the, uh, the Babylonian empire, the Babylonian empire, he allows them to take over and overthrow the nation of Israel. Horrible situation, really sad. 25% of the people are taken captive. Imagine if you're one of those, never to see your parents again, never to see your family again, never to see your dad again, and you're, you're, um, you're in a new country, 
new rules, new traditions. And Daniel, not once does he lose his integrity. Not once does he just say, you know what? I'm done with all this and God, you know, none of that happens. And you see him at the end of his life. When you read the end of the book, if you stick, it, stick, stick around for the rest of the series, what you see at the end is that the emperor who was not like a godly person or anything like that, right? He basically says, Daniel, I need you one more time. We have an issue here going on in the empire. I need you. Gets him out of retirement, and he puts him second in command of the whole nation, of the whole empire. And what I love about that is like, how do you, how do you live your life like that? You know? And so if you have your Bibles, you're going to be in Daniel chapter 1, but I want to begin with this verse, Proverbs 17, verse 3. You don't have to turn there. If you want to, you can write the reference down. It's a great, it's sort of what I like to call the theme verse of our message today, okay? So, so the whole, if I can bathe the whole message under this, this verse, like, like the whole thing, everything you hear this morning, I want to put it under the umbrella of Proverbs 17, verse 3. So you don't have to turn there. You can write down the reference if you like. Listen to this verse. It's on the screen. Proverbs 17, verse 3. Fire tests the purity of silver and gold. Listen to it. Fire tests the purity of silver and gold. But the Lord, help me out, the Lord tests what? Tests the? The hearts. Okay, so fire tests the purity of silver and gold. But the Lord... Your God, my God, will not tempt, will test our hearts. Two life principles I want to give you right off the bat, okay? These are not like the main points, but, you know, uh, these are a couple of things that I've learned from a great uh, theologian, Rick Warren. He wrote The Purpose Driven Life, and these are his, but I think they're fantastic, and I hope that they add a little bit of value to you. Two life principles. Number one, before every blessing, there is always a testing. Did you know that? Before every blessing, before God gives you a blessing, God will put a little test in front of you. Before, and, and you ask, man, why? You know, if you're in the middle of a test, you ask, why? Like, I have, I've asked those questions, you know, if things are not going the way I want them to go, and it's like, Lord, why now, you know? Well, the reason why is because what God wants to know if you can handle the power. God wants to know if you can handle the blessing, and so he'll put, you know, he'll give you a little test because he wants to know if you can handle the pressure and the influence. And it's always for your good. So Andrew, our, six, our oldest, 16 years old, so he just passed the written driving test. And so before he's blessed, can I use that word blessed, with the opportunity, let me use that other word, of driving his parents or his sisters or picking up his mom's groceries, before he's blessed with that opportunity, he has to pass his what? His driving test, right? So right now we're all practicing, like he's practicing, we're praying a lot, you know, saying, Lord, help us, you know. And so we're going through all that, but the same way it is with God and your relationship with him. Before you can have the benefit of driving, he says, let me give you a little test here and there. And you may ask, what kind of things does God test? It's a good question. Well, he, all kinds of things. He'll test your character. He'll test your integrity. He'll test your, your faithfulness. He'll, te- he'll test how generous you are. He will test, I mean, you name it, your truthfulness. He'll test your faithfulness, your humility. Now, let me give you a couple of examples. This is sort of, this is sort of the appetizer before the meal, Okay. You don't have to turn there, just listen to this. 1 Thessalonians 2.4, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, we speak God's message because God tested us. See that? He says, 
we, Paul says, we speak God's message because God tested us and trusted us to do it. When we speak, we're not trying to please people. In other words, we're not conforming what everybody else wants to hear. Okay? We're not just pleasing people because, because it is because God is the one that tests our hearts. And so, so here, here's the thing you have to understand. And for me, this is how it works. Communicating is a, is a challenging thing. Like in life, even if you're not doing public speaking, just communicating with your spouse, communicating at work, it is, it is a beast. Can we, all, can we all, agree, all agree to that? Like it's hard to properly communicate what's in your heart, the right tone, the right words, the right timing, making sure the other person doesn't get offended. I mean, communication is, is difficult. For me, sometimes communicating from, and I'm a people pleaser, so I love to please everybody. Like, I love when everybody smiles, and I was like, ah, I must be doing good. You know, this is a good one. You know, last hour, I was like, man, I'm getting a D on this one. This is not good. This one, I feel like I'm, I'm bringing in a little bit more. I can see you. There's feedback here. And so I'm a people pleaser, and usually what I want to do is I want to preach things that is going to make everybody happy. But is that the right thing to do? Probably not, because if you speak for any period of time, if we communicate, at some point you're going to say something that's wrong or that people don't agree with, or in your mind you think it's right, but it's off, you know, some people, and so, so I'll tell you, I, what was it, two, three weeks ago, we did the whole message on race, injustice, and the heart of God. I was dealing with anxiety the whole time because it was like, oh, if I say this, these people are going to think this. If I say this, this is going to do this. And it's the whole, and the enemy was attacking me too, you know? And so I've learned a long time ago, and I still struggle with this. And it's like I haven't arrived or anything like that, but I learned that it's better for me to have a clean mind, clear, clear conscience, pure heart, and speak from my heart whatever God puts in my heart. And if you don't agree with that... I'm sorry, I'll still listen to you and we'll still have a conversation, but it's better for me to know that my test, ultimately, the one that I'm accountable to is the Lord. And so in life, there's so many decisions that you'll make, and if you're like me, you'll want to please your kids, or you'll want to please your parents, or you want to please your pastor, or you want to please your boss. I promise you, it's, ne- it's never as good as when you have a pure heart, clear conscience, and you're pleasing the Lord. So, number one life principle, before every blessing, there is always a test, okay? So if you're going through a test, know the blessing is right around the corner. Life principle number two is this. God tests us with stress before he trusts us with success. God will test you with stress before he trusts you with Success. And if you read, if you become a theologian and you read the whole book of Daniel, what you're going to see is that time and time again, the whole book is this Daniel dealing with one test after the next. He'll deal with this test, and, and, and altogether, there were, there were more than five, but if I can just sort of outline the book, I'd say there were five major tests. Today we're going to look at one. Five major tests, and after every single test, you'll see it today, Daniel was promoted. And God gave him more influence. And God gave him, gave him a better situation ahead. And, and there was another test. And guess what? He passed the test. And, and God says, okay, I think you're ready now. You can handle the influence. You can handle the power. Let me give you a little bit more. And so God will test you with stress. It's a time. It's a, your boss. It's a, your spouse. God will allow some stress to come into your life. 
because he wants to see how you're handling things. Today, we're going to deal with the test of social pressure. Social pressure. I think it's a great topic to talk about because there's a lot of opportunities, let me put it that way, for us to jump on bandwagons. Okay, I thought about getting a bandwagon here and bring it on stage. A lot of us, what we do is we jump on different people's bandwagon. So somebody at the office says something and somebody else says something else. And you, you were cool with the plays and you were, everything was good until these people brought these issues. And they're like, yeah, 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 I agree. And then you jump on the bandwagon and before you know it, they can lead you, it can lead you to, the ba- to a bad place. Daniel, one of his major tests is this test that we're talking about, the test of social pressure. So you are in Daniel chapter 1, verse 5 is going to be our our key verse of the day. But I want to, really quick, I'm going to look at verse 7. It's not on the screen. I just want to briefly look at that verse because what's happening to him is the king, the wicked king, he's he's saying, probably not like this, but he's putting all the young boys into this three-year indoctrination indoctrination program, and he's, he's wiping out the memory like from Daniel, like everything that he had learned about God, about Israel, about his nation, this king wants to erase all of that. So he's giving them basically a new religion, putting them into a new culture, new habits. In fact, he gives them a new name, okay? And last week, if you were here with us last week, or following us online, if you listened to the message, I told you, I promised, right? So I'm going to keep my word, figure that's a good thing to do, um, that I would share with you the significance behind that. So Daniel's Hebrew name is Daniel. Now, his name, look in verse 7, was changed to what? Look in verse 7. What was his name changed to? From Daniel to Belteshazzar. I get that one wrong every single time. I went back to my office and I practiced and I couldn't get it. Let me do it again. I'm going to get it, all right? All right, Belteshazzar. I need to slow down. Yeah. Um, Belteshazzar. You guys, help me out. Say it with me. Belteshazzar. Belteshazzar. Let's do it again. I'm not letting you off the hook. Belteshazzar. 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 (laughs) Dang it. Oh, you guys, if you knew, if you knew. So his name, Daniel, in the Hebrew, actually means God is my judge. When he goes to Babylon, they change his name and Belteshazzar literally means Baal protects me. You know who Baal is? Baal is a pagan god. Baal is a, a phony, fake god. And so everything about Daniel that he had learned, his foundation, you know, talking about unshakable, his foundation had been shaken to the core. Now, let's look in verse 5. Okay, here's, here's a verse for us. I want to kind of get like really dig in a little bit verse five it says that the king ordered that the young men in his program the three-year program should eat the same food and wine served at the king's table while they were being trained during the three-year p- period after that they were to become s- slave servants of the king of Babylon. So that one of the reasons why he was brainwashing them is because he, he wanted them to do, like robots, right? He wanted them to do whatever he wanted them to do, okay? So the purpose is to slave them, to, to, to enslave them. 
So after that, they were to become servants of the king of Babylon. But Daniel, watch this, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself by eating the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official, that's like the chief of staff of the palace, for permission not to defile himself. Now, that word defile is sort of an old English word. Do you know what it means? It means to pollute. It means to corrupt. Like if you go to the beach, if you go to a park and somebody was there prior to you getting there, they were having a party, they were having a good time, but they left and they left the trash. Has that ever happened to you? You go somewhere, like you're going camping and the people behind you, they left a bunch of cans and junk and it's like, man, what's up with it? Well, they have polluted, they have defiled the beach or the camp. Does that make sense? You take a beautiful river if you like to go camping. I'm looking out there, and I, was, I know some of you guys that like to go you know, to Tennessee, and you like to you know, go uh, hiking, and, and there's beautiful waterfalls. You can take a place that's beautiful, and if you pour some chemicals or toxic waste or sewage, what you've done is you've defiled that place. You guys tracking? Everybody with you with me? Fantastic. You're doing better than 930 crowd. <laughs> I'm going to give it up for the 11 o'clock. No, we're going to do a little rivalry here. Um, who's, who's better interacting, 9.30 or 11? So, so far, you guys, you're on top of my game. You're my favorite today. What you don't know is that that's what I told the 9.30 crowd. Just joking. All right, so he says, I'm not going to defile myself. There are three interpretations. And you can pick whichever one you want to pick. I'll give you my opinion and, and you know. First one is, Daniel said, I'm not going to eat your food because of a health reason. You know, the king's food was, had a lot of heavy sauces, sugar, and, and some people believe that he said that because of, he was on a, this particular diet. Secondly, some people say it was a national reason, cultural reason. You know, the nation of Israel, some people, this one, I don't know if it was the first one personally, I don't, you know, personally, I don't think it was the first interpretation. Some people say it was a national um, reason for him not eating the king's food. And I can see that a little bit more. You know, God throughout history, the nation of Israel, they're unique to him. He chose them, right? He gave us the Ten Commandments from them, like, you know, through them, the Messiah and all of that. So he told them, you know, you're peculiar, you're my people. You're... And it's not like the Israelites are better. Um, it's just simply that he told them, you're going to have very strict dietary laws, you know, so you're going to eat different food than the rest of the world because you're different, you're unique, you know. And so, so, so Daniel, some people interpret this passage and they say, you know what, I'm a Jew and there's a cultural, there's a national, there's a religious reason for not eating the king's food, okay? Fair enough, if you choose to believe that, cool. The third interpretation, which is the one that I kind of believe, is this was a, a spiritual attack on his, on his identity, okay, on his spiritual um, on Daniel's identity, which that's really when you study the whole thing and you'll see what the, the king is doing and the change of names and culture and all of this. I think that's what the, the main attack is at. And, and I think that's the, the primary reason why Daniel says, enough is enough. You know, like I've, I've had it. I'm not going to, when he says, I'm not going to defile myself. It, I don't, I think, I think it's beyond just the food, personally. That's just my personal opinion, okay? Now, throughout the whole passage that we're going to read here in a minute, what you're going to see is that God, God is looking for a few qualities. I'm going to mention four today in your life, okay? You could use, you could replace the word quality with the word test. God is 
basically putting a few tests in front of you because he wants to see if you're, if you're ready for whatever is next. And so for each one of these qualities, really what they are is they're tied to a test, okay? The first one is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. The first quality that God is looking for in your life, this is not just a message on Daniel. This is a message for each one of us is this. Number one, integrity, integrity. Daniel never forgot who he was. So he's looking at this king and he's saying, look, you can change my address. You can change my clothing. You can change my traditions, but you can't change my heart. You can change my, my, I mean, my, all of my circumstances, but there's nobody. And that's the, that's the beauty of our relationship with God. I don't care what comes your way. That's the one thing that cannot be taken away from you. I mean, people who suffer for the cause of Christ, who are literally beheaded, you can take everything from them, their finances, their spouses, their kids, you know, their very lives. But the one thing that they hold on to is their hope in Christ. And that's Daniel. That's his integrity. Now, the Bible says this. The Bible says, Romans 12, 2, it says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Don't copy, think, 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 and it's not on the screen, but, right, yeah. Don't copy, Romans 12, 2, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It's almost like God is saying, look, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. It's almost like God is saying, look, 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 don't let, don't conform to the world and the things that we watch on TV and the, the patterns of our culture, don't conform to those things. Be transformed by my word. And so you can let culture change you or lead you, and you can adapt, or you can let God's word transform you. And so, so Paul obviously knows this, and this is exactly what we see with Daniel. He had incredible integrity. Number two, Second thing that God's looking in your life, in my life, is discipline. Discipline. He controls his ego and his appetite. This is huge. Look in verse 5 again. This is huge. How old was Daniel? Help me out. How old was he? We said he was 15, 16 years old, right? He was a young kid, right? Now, think for a moment how hard it must have been for him to control his ego and his appetite. Like, I know I can't control my appetite. Like, not good. Like, uh, this, I've been on a very strict diet the last month. And like, Andrew comes. He's working at Schlossky's now. He comes the other day. You know, it was like 10.30 or something. They, they clo- they're closing everything down. He comes with two massive sandwiches. They were like this big. I'm exaggerating. But to me, because I had not been eating as much as I need to eat or wish I, as much as I wish I could eat huge sandwiches, and he comes, and I tell him, I'm just going to have a bite, you know, get a little bite, and then a few minutes later, I get a cup, you know, he's, he's drinking, I drink a little bit, and then a few minutes later, I have another bite, you know, by the end, like, it was like, but, like, just a few minutes, but by the end, Andrew laughs, and he's like, Dad, I thought you were just going to have a bite, I had like half of his sandwich, you know, I have like discipline, man, that's, a, that's one that's hard for me, you know, I'm not the most, I want to be disciplined, but I don't want to be, I don't, I'm not the most disciplined person. So, so think of Daniel, 15-year-old kid, mom and dad are nowhere near, 
right? He can have all the candy that he can have, right? He can eat whatever he wants to eat. Nobody's going to tell him no. And he has the discipline to say no. And I love this. This king, you know, basically, this is not like junk food. This is gourmet food, right? They're feeding him. I mean, everybody's being treated as a slave. Think about that. But there, there's just a few selected people who said, we're going to feed you what the, the king eats. So maybe not healthy, but I promise you, it was, it, was, it was high quality, way higher than what everybody else was having. And Daniel looks at the situation and, you know, he says, you know what? I appreciate the perks. You know, think of it. The most powerful man on earth is telling you, I'm going to make you... Uh, I'm going to put you on my personal staff. I'm going to, you're going to have power and pleasure. I'm, you're, I'm going to, you're going to eat the most expensive meals that, that we're handing out to people. And Daniel has the discipline to say no. Now, could you have done something like that? You're 15, they're offering you all kinds of treats, and you have to say no. I don't know about you, but I, now don't look at me like that. I know, I know some of you would not be able to to you know, say no to the king. And this guy, basically, he says, look, this Dan- Daniel says, um, you know, I'm going to serve you because I know that God put me, like, it's, I'm here w- with his permission. Like, this is no coincidence. I'm going through the situation because God allowed it. But I'm not going to be indebted to you. I'm not going to be conformed. I'm not going to be seduced by you. And I love what the Bible says. The Bible says, don't let any part of your body it could be your ears, it could be your mouth, it could be your eyes, it could be you know, your heart. Don't let any part of your body be used for wickedness, for sinning. But let it instead give, you com- instead give yourself completely to God because you want to be a tool in the hands of God used for his good purposes. All right. Number one, he had integrity. Two, he had discipline. Three, he had courage. Think of the courage. When he tells the king, I'm not going to eat your food, that was an insult to this king. I mean, his life was on the line, right? He was, I mean, and the thing is, there were only, he had three friends that went along with him. But then there were hundreds of Jewish boys that were not following. Mo, the majority was saying, you know, everybody else is doing it. Woohoo, the king, we're going to eat the king's food. Yeah, you know, party. You know, Daniel was the one that was willing to stand alone. Think of that. The courage that this 15-year-old boy had to stand up to this king. The Bible says this. The Bible says in Exodus 23, 2, you must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you're called to testify in a dispute, do not be swayed by the crowd to twist justice. Think of how powerful that verse is. You know what Daniel knew? Daniel knew that the majority is often wrong. The crowd is often going in the wrong direction. And so if you're feeling at, like at work, if you've, you know, you're in a, in a board meeting, right? And everybody, you know, and it usually takes one. One person says something and then somebody else jumps on it. But you know in your heart, this is wrong. This is not what my boss wants. This is not what the company wants. This is not what the government wants. This is not what this, you know, that my leader. But, and, and that's the, that pressure that I'm talking about, right? Daniel had the guts, to stand alone, because he knew the majority, and you'll see this more later on in his life, the majority is often wrong. He passed the test of integrity. 
pass the test of discipline, pass the test of courage. And the last one, the last quality that God's looking for is humility. Now, I cannot think of a better passage of scripture. If, you ever, if you're in a situation where you need to talk to somebody in authority, I can't think of verses in the Bible that are more practical than these. Like if you need to talk, if you need to have a conversation that's difficult with your supervisor, with, I mean, your boss, you know, with somebody of authority, your principal, um, I want you to listen, your spouse, I don't even think it needs to be somebody, it could be your spouse. I want you to listen how Daniel approaches this, this subject, okay? So look in verse 8 with me. Verse 8, Daniel says this. Or the Bible says, Then Daniel asked the chief official, that's the chief of staff of the palace, like, like I said earlier, for permission to eat other things instead. Now watch this. He's not demanding anything. Okay? He's asking for permission. There's humility in this. He, he's not saying, I demand my rise, you know? Or the rules say this, or this, or that. You know, no, no, no. He's saying, hey, can I just be exempt? It's, a, it's, a, it's very low, very like, you know, a lot of humility. Now, God, it says, had given the chief official great respect for Daniel. So Daniel had only been there for about a year, okay, since he had been taken captive. And what you need to understand is that Daniel had done something so good in work-related, in this culture, this pagan culture, that this pagan guy, basically, the Bible says, that, you know, like he had respect for Daniel. Now, look what he says. But he said, the, the, the officer, right, the pagan official, says, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who ordered that you eat his food and wine, and if you are not as healthy as the others, I fear the king will have me beheaded. Which I think it's a legitimate concern, right? I know the guy's not a Christian or anything, like not a, like a God-fearing individual, but it's a, I understand it. Like, you need to eat the king's food because if you're not, if you don't eat it and you're not as healthy, my head is on the line on the, you know, I don't want the, the king to kill me. Like, I don't want to be punished. So, so it's a legitimate concern. So next, Daniel talked it over with the guard appointed to look after Daniel and his three friends. So he goes to the right person in charge, the guy that had been appointed to look after him. Again, it says Daniel talked it over. You see that? He talked about it. It wasn't like a demand. It wasn't like, you know, this is, you know, he was not belligerent. He was not, you know, like he was not making demands. He's just having a conversation. Daniel offered a suggestion. And so many, so many, man, this is so good on how to approach authority. Watch this. This is what he says. Just test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water. So, so he's simplifying the whole thing. He said, just give me some veggies and water. Like, I'm not asking for an elaborate meal. I'm not asking for this huge recipe that's going to make you work twice as hard. No, no, no. Just, 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 simp- just give me some veggies and some water, he says. Then see how healthy we look compared to the young man eating the king's food. Then you can, help me out, then you can what? Decide. So he's saying, hey, let's just test this out, but it's up to you. He's saying, it's up to you. You, you can do whatever you want. He leaves it up to the guy. He leaves it up to the authority. He says, you can decide whether or not 
to let us continue eating our diet. So the attendant agreed to try Daniel's suggestion. At the moment, or excuse me, at the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his friends looked healthier and better nourished than the other, others in the king's training program. So after that, the guard let them eat their own food. I love it. Jump to verse 18 so we can wrap things up. Verse 18. When the three-year training program was completed, all the young men were brought to King Nebuchadnezzar. So this guy is like, like he's a micromanager, okay? Who, they brought him to him who talked with each one of them individually. He's talking to every single boy and he's testing them and he's seeing to make, making sure they're healthier, making sure they've learned what he wants, he wants them to learn. Like this guy is micromanaging this, this whole situation. They're all brought, every single one of them before him. And it says, none impressed the king as much as Daniel and his three friends. So they were each promoted to positions in the king's service. All three, all four of them were promoted in the king's service. Now, why were they promoted? What was it? Was it because they were super spiritual? Well, maybe. I don't know. Was it because, I mean, what was it? Like, were they playing favorites? Was it, look, why, why was Daniel promoted? God. Yeah, obviously God. <laughs> but I want to I give you six takeaways, okay? You're like, Pastor Alex, you said we were almost done. Yes, just fasten your seatbelt. I'm going to fly through these. I don't even think you'll have time to write them down. But I think this is going to, if you feel, if you've ever heard somebody say that the Bible is sort of like an old book or, you know, it's like, you know, it doesn't, it's not practical. Hopefully this will prove you or whoever else has thought that wrong. Six thoughts real quick. Why he was promoted. Like everything was on the line, right? We all agree. Like when he said, I'm not eating your food, it was, it was an insult on the king. Like, like every, everything, he could have lost it all. Instead, he, you know, he kept his integrity. He basically doesn't lose his convictions. He still soars. He still thrives in a pagan, ungodly, secular, anti-God culture. How does he do it? Six practical things you can take home today and you can, if you apply these, I want to say, I promise you, you will get promoted, but I'm not going to say that because I'm not God. But I think the chances are high, high, there's a high probability if you apply these in your place of work, I believe that you will, I believe that God will bless you. Number one, he developed a reputation for being responsible. So before any, before any of the tests came, he was responsible, you know? Proverbs 22, verse 29 says this, If you do your job well, leaders will notice, and you will serve before kings. Let me say it again. Proverbs 22, 29. If you do your job well, right, it says leaders will notice, and you will serve before kings. Anytime the Bible says you serve before kings, it's talking about being promoted. Like in this case, literally, Daniel is serving before kings, okay? But I want you to know this. People with great responsibility... Notice people that have responsibility. You follow that thought? People that have great response, like they, like you don't, people, great leaders, they know how hard and how difficult it is to find people who appreciate, who are responsible. And so as Christians, I believe that we should be like the hardest working people. Like we should be the most trustworthy. 
Like, keep your word, even when it's hard, and even when you can lie, and you can bend the truth, and it's to your favor, and it, it, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it is attractive. If you do it, even when you're, you're between a rock and a hard place, you keep your word, you be a man or a woman of integrity, and I promise you, in the long term, it works. Daniel developed that reputation of being responsible, too. He was humble. He was not belligerent. Proverbs 25, 6, great reference, Proverbs 25, 6. When you stand before king, before the king, the word king is used for anybody in a, in a position of authority, before a leader, before a judge, before, when you stand before that person of, of authority, when you stand before the king, do not try to impress him or, and pretend to be important. You hear what God is saying? Don't try to be like more than you are. Be who you are. That's who Daniel was. I'm, 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 a, I'm a kid from, from Israel. I shouldn't be eating this food. I don't want to defile. It wasn't pride. It wasn't pride. And you see it on that whole passage that we read. He was just being humble, but not, not, not prideful. He was just telling the truth. Number three, don't be deceptive or manipulative. Man, I can detect somebody that's trying to manipulate me a mile away. As leaders, you, you know who they are. And you know how you can tell if somebody's manipulating you or not? They won't stick it out. People who are trying to manipulate you, if you kind of, if you hit the brakes and you kind of just slow things down, you don't put them on stage, you don't get them, get them a title, you don't pay them. This is in my kind of, in my world. If you, if you, time, time shows you a lot. And so for me, what I've learned in ministry is that people sometimes because of my position, they want to get close to me. They want to get close to the pastor. You know, because they think that you're going to be more spiritual. Their prayers are going to get to God a little bit faster, you know. What I've learned is that, you know, I love those people. I love everybody the same way, but I'm very cautious when somebody wants to manipulate me. And I usually don't let things slide that much because I want time. For me, time shows you a person's character, shows you who they are. And so, number four, or number three, don't be deceptive. Don't be manipulative. Number four, appeal to their goals and their interests. What did Daniel want? What, what was it that he wanted? He didn't want to what? Didn't want to eat the king's food, right? But when he comes to the officer, that's not how he begins. He begins with what they want. And he says, here's what he says. Hey, let's just test this out. Let's go 10 days. Okay? Let's just go 10 days. We'll test it out. We don't have to go the whole three years. And if I'm not healthier, we don't have to do it. What does the guy in authority want? It? He wanted a bunch of kids that were healthy because the king was on his case. And so that's how Daniel begins. He says, listen, 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 listen. We don't have to do the whole thing. We can just give it a trial run. But he's appealing to what they want. You see that? He's appealing to what the king wants. He's appealing to their interests. And so here's, here's the thing that you, you need to learn because it's very tempting to begin with what you want. But figure out, what is it that the organization wants? What is it that your boss is most interested in? What is it that they're trying to accomplish? When you go there, then things opened up. And then you can begin a conversation and you can have... And then one thing led to another, right? And before he knew it, after the 10 days, he said, yeah, you can eat whatever you want to eat because you proved yourself. So appeal to their goals and their interests. Number five, choose the right place, time and words. What's the right place? It's never in public. It's always private. If you try to gather a group of people and approach your leader, you know, because you think that you're going to have consensus, 
It never works. I promise you, they may put on a phase and they may look okay, but any time that you gather a group of people and any time you question a leader, you put them, you know, like on, not, you know, for them to ask questions, it doesn't go well. I promise you, it will not go well. So what's the right place? Privately, you know, talk to them. They'll appre- Your trust actually will go up if you talk to them in private and you don't talk to anybody else. At the same time, number six, trust God if they reject their request. That's a good one. At the end of the day, the reason why Daniel was promoted is because regardless of what was going to happen, he was going to trust God. This verse is not on, on the screen, but I want you to write it down if you don't have it. Um, if you take the notes, if you're taking notes, Proverbs 21.1 says this. Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. Think of that. The Bible says that the king's heart, the, your leader's heart, your boss, the guy that may get on your nerves, the, the girl that you know, may like, upset you because you could do it a thousand times better. This is, this is not, like Alex is not coming up with this. The Bible says his or her heart is in his hand. He can do whatever he wants to do with it. Godly or ungodly. God moves the hearts of godly kings. God moves the hearts of ungodly kings. Okay? And so, at the end of the day, what you need to do is say, okay, Lord, I surrender. I, I, I've spoken. I had humility. I kept my integrity. I was disciplined. I spoke when I didn't need to speak. I did not speak when I didn't need to speak. But at the end of the day, God, this is yours. And I'm going to put it in your hands. I'm going to surrender it to you. As we close, you guys can get on stage, uh, the worship team. Um, there is um, a group of ladies that are studying in the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 3. Uh, this verse that says this, it says, He will sit, God will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And so these ladies were having this Bible study, and they were trying to figure out, what does this verse mean? What, I, don't, I don't quite follow. And so they said, you know what? We know of a silversmith that can maybe help us understand that he's a good Christian man. Like, maybe go, let's set up an appointment and see what, maybe what God is talking about in Malachi chapter 3, kind of like the verse that we, we began with. And so sure enough, a couple of days passed, they set an appointment, they go to see him, and they notice that, that this the silversmith is basically, what he's doing is he's grabbing the piece of the silver and he's putting it to the flame. And then he's explaining to them the process and everything that they're doing. He says, you want to make sure that it's in like the hottest part of the flame because what you're doing, you're removing all of the impurities, you're removing all of the junk. And so they're watching and they're, they're like, you know, they're fascinated by this whole process. And then, then he's, he, one of the ladies says, says, do you have to, like, do you have to keep your eyes on? Like, do you have to keep an eye on it or could you just leave it there? He says, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, if, if, if I don't keep my eye on the silver, if I like, look away or can you just leave it there, there's a potential that I'm going to damage the piece of silver. So I got I to gotta keep my eye on that thing, you know, like watching it like the whole time as I'm trying to purify it. And then they, one of the ladies says, how do you know when it's ready? How do you know when it's purified? And the silversmith says, 
oh, that's easy. It says, when I can see my reflection, that's when I know that it's ready. Say that to say this. There are times that God puts you through a test and it's hard and it's difficult, but his eyes are on you. He's not let, don't ever think that he has left you for a second. He's holding you dearly. His eyes are on you. And if you were to ask me, man, when is it going to be over? I would tell you, whenever he sees his image in you, whenever you're a reflection of the Father, that's when he'll say, okay, it's time. I'm going to increase your influence. I'm going to promote you. And it's not always finances. Don't take this message as one of those that, oh, it's Pastor Alex is talking about how to get, make more money. Money doesn't bring happiness. There's so many other things that bring you happiness. But when you are able to be the light of Christ to people in this world, it is a game changer. And if we, went, if we were to go back 2,600 years ago, I guarantee you Daniel would say, you know what? I went through some tough, some difficult tests. But I'm so glad that my life, my little time on this earth, my little, you know, sliver of time made a difference that when it, it impacted hundreds and thousands of people. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, what test are you going through right now? Is it the test of discipline? Is it the test of integrity? Is it the test of trust in God? What, what test is the Lord dealing with in your life? And the question is, are you going to conform to how this world does things? Or are you going to have the courage to be transformed by what God says and you're not going to do what the, everybody else wants you to do. You're going to do what he, he is telling you to do. I often say, I am not your priest. The reason why I say that, not in a rude way, but I say it because I want you to know you have access to my heavenly father. And your position in Christ is, is just as my position in Christ. There's nothing. My prayers are not better than your prayers. And so when you give your life to Christ, I don't care if you're 8 or 80. You don't get a junior-sized Holy Spirit. You get the full thing. You hear me? I don't care how, how young you are. You get the whole thing. You get all of God in all of you, even if you're four. I want you to hear that. You get all of God in you. God, help us to be like Daniel. God, help us to stand up for what's right. Help us to, in humility, be able to do what you've asked us to do. Help us to be disciplined and pass that test. And so, God, we just surrender at the foot of the cross our lives. And whether you're a father, whether you're a mom, whether you're a grandparent, whatever you are, trust him when the tests come. See them as opportunities to grow because the influence is just right around the corner.
the blessing is just right around the corner. And God is just wanting to see, can I use you? Just want to test you there a little bit. I think I can. You've shown me that I can. But I'm, I'm raising the stakes just a little bit. Because if you're going to, if you can handle the pressure that you're going through right now, you'll be able to handle what's ahead. So Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand and finish with this song.